2: The Athletic Right, let's do it then This is Talk of the Devils The Athletic's podcast dedicated to Manchester United With me, Ian Irving And what a week it's been for Manchester United fans From the theatre dreaming on Saturday at Old Trafford To the Wankdorf
0: Lingard, back to De Gea, is left it short, here's the chance, oh, it's a terrible end to the match! Sivachu with the goal, it's a winning goal for young boys, and look at the celebrations of
1: Manchester United, who have defended so stoutly, have given it away right at the end!
2: And it's Lingard, look, he just doesn't see
3: the player coming onto it, he just chips it over De hair as he comes out, it's a sloppy back pass, there's no doubt but the finish is wonderful and just hits it into the ground I thought maybe he was going to chip it but he's hit it into the ground and the keeper there can do nothing about it Jordan Sibachew with one of the biggest European goals that young
0: boys at Burn have ever scored and David Wagner who was a manager of Huddersfield Town
1: in a victory against Manchester United is going to lead his team to victory on the opening night in the Champions League
2: Yes, feel the burn, young boys two, school boys one, Manchester United, Swiss roll. The headlines didn't make great reading, did they, for United fans after that result in Switzerland? We're going to delve beyond those headlines, though, get under the skin of what actually happened in Switzerland and delve into the mailbag as well, because as you can imagine, we're absolutely inundated with questions after that result. Okay, I need to introduce you to our team today, then, who's going to do exactly that? First up, we've got the Athletics' Carl Anker. Hello, Carl. Hello,
3: mate. How are you getting on?
2: Did you enjoy that?
3: (laughs) Uh, No. I was laughing in mild delirium by uh, the hour mark. It's like, oh, this is horrendous.
2: Yeah. And if our friend Andy Mitten hadn't suffered enough, sat on a bike for nine days, cycling the length of the country, struggling to get all the way over to another country, United went and did
0: that. Hello, Andy Mitten. Hello, lads. Looking forward to this, even though I didn't enjoy it. Yeah, I I like doing the podcast. I like talking to you. And uh, I know that I get a lot of feedback when I go to the matches from people who listen to this podcast. So I feel that that it's worthwhile. So let's get cracking. (laughs) Too kind, mate. Too kind.
2: Let's get cracking indeed, yeah. Um, Andy, first of all, how are you feeling? Because
0: uh, that was one hell of a ride, yeah? Yeah, and it won't be one I'll be doing again, put it that way. Uh, I'm so... My my legs are fine, my backside's really sore and my um my hands are really weak because I've just been sat with them on a handlebar for ages and can't like grip properly with my right hand. Wow. I, cu- I couldn't even turn my electric toothbrush on this morning. There's a first world problem for you. I've got no power. So I'm having to ask my wife, can, can you just cut this cheese, please? No, do it yourself. No, I can't. I've got no power. But aside from that, um, I, I, I'm buzzing that I did it. Uh, I spoke to a lot of United fans in Burn, and one guy, um, Jim from Sheffield, just come up, just put sixty quid in my hand. Two lads from Morecambe, hundred pound each, and I know it's a lot of money to them, so it is pretty humbling seeing the the reaction. And um, just got to get over it now. Get 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 a bit of weight put on. I did some TV interviews in Burn, and uh, people were screenshotting them, and I just thought, gosh, you you look like you need a meal. So um. I'm going to get a meal and uh try and recover and hopefully united will recover as well
2: yeah i mean andy you're here now so we can say it to your face but we, we were following every step of the way it's absolutely incredible what you did anyone who, who's been under a rock the last week andy cycled the length of the uk all the way from land's end up to John groats in scotland to raise money for the manchester united foundation and andy you raised a lot of money yeah it's gone way past your target
0: yeah and i was on my last day um I was pretty down. I had like down hours. I really did. And I looked at my phone and there was a message from Man United saying, we'll double whatever you raise. And that lifted me hugely. got through to the end and it's I I think it's 18,000 with gift aid. United will double up. We've still got a pair of Luke Shaw's match-worn boots, which will auction with a deadline of 9pm on Thursday night. If you want to bid for them, email uwsmag at yahoo.co.uk and hopefully we'll get... A few more quid. I've had school teachers getting in touch with me in Manchester saying, please, can the club come into my school? One lady said, we lost a pupil and the, st- the staff are trained, but the pupils are not and life's- lives can be saved with this. And so I feel good when, when I get stuff like that. You should, Andy. Just had to get from the John O'Groach to Burn, which was a, well, it was a long, long journey. How did you do that? I got a taxi with a man I couldn't understand to a town called Wick. I stayed in Wick in a hotel paid for by a Glasgow Rangers supporter, Mark, which I appreciated. I got up at six in the morning and lugged my bike in a bag to a train, thinking I've got four hours on a train to Inverness in beautiful Scotland. Got to the train station with two minutes to spare and the train was cancelled. They said, oh, oh we're mate. putting you on a bus instead. So I got a bus four and a half hours to Inverness. The bus, I did have a toilet, but there wasn't a light in the toilet. There wasn't any water in the toilet. There wasn't any paper in the toilet. <laughs> and I pointed this out to the driver. And he just Sounds
2: said, like a United Away trip, that Andy. Yeah, it does.
0: Anyway, I got to Inverness, uh, beat someone to a taxi to the airport, uh, met someone in the airport who'd been at the same school as me in Manchester. Flew to London, flew onwards again, saw my, got another taxi. So it cost me a lot of money all this. Yeah. Saw my wife for about an hour, saw my eldest daughter. I didn't see my youngest one. She'd fallen asleep and got a dog. Never had a dog before. The dog was buzzing to see me. So that was really lovely. I've never <laughs> had that feeling before. <laughs> Woke up at six the next morning, went to the airport, flew to Zurich, went through a double passport check at, at, at Zurich, Um got a train to burn, uh, walked to my hotel, walked to the ground, did all the the checks. There's so many checks when you're travelling at the moment because of COVID, and the Swiss are right on it, but my European COVID passport wasn't recognised getting into the stadium. I'm just like, look, I've re- I'm not even going to start to tell you my story of how I've got here, right, but you're not, not letting me in this ground tonight. And they saw sense, and they let me in, and then I was soon – Pitch side, doing my work as a journalist. You know, I'm a big United fan, but I'm, I need to earn a living as well. And I, I was pitch side doing my stuff, and then people were screenshotting pictures of me. And I'm thinking, God, you you look really thinner And then uh, so I sat down thinking, right, Ronaldo's back. I didn't attend the Newcastle game. Entertain us, the mighty Ugh. Manchester United. quieting this atmosphere down, and it was amazing the atmosphere. Really got a credit. The young boys fans do a fantastic and there were 1800 traveling Reds as well. First proper away in since Bruges in February 2020. And uh, didn't quite happen, did it? Oh, blimey!
2: After all that, Manchester United lost 2 1 to young boys with uh, a last minute winner, yeah. Um, right. We said we'd get to your questions. It's been incredible to see the reaction to Carl's message yesterday on the real-time section of the Athletic app to questions for us. Shows what one did, one result does, doesn't it, Carl? Andy, I've got to direct this first one at you, though, just a quick one on it. Jack says, what was more painful, United's performance against Young Boys or the bike seat
0: from your cycle? I just think Young Boys was a, a bad night. I think United will still get through this group, and it's a major problem if United don't get through this group and I just think going down to ten men, uh, they were good, and I knew, I knew, because uh, I was told what what United expected uh, before the game, and they knew that young boys would would flood forward, put a lot of men in the box, especially on corners, and that that happened. The problem is losing uh, Aaron Wan-Bissaka. As Ollie said, it would have been a credible draw, and it would have been. But but it wasn't so. I, I, I don't enjoy watching Manchester United lose matches mentally and in terms of physical pain, uh, the, the the bike ride.
2: Carl Zadar says, "What exactly does Oli have to do with wamba Bissaka's insane upfield tackle and Lingard's shoddy back pass?"
3: Uh, this one's really tricky. So um, there will be a piece going up on the Athletic in the next, possibly by the time this goes out. Um, so for for you listeners where I've looked at all seven of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's defeats in the Champions League
2: 7 out of 11 that stat is really yep. bad isn't it
3: so 4 wins 7 defeats no draws every single win Ole's had uh, United have scored a penalty which weird quirk I'm not going to say he needs those penalties because some of those games were absolute drubbings. The penalty doesn't change the result against RB Leipzig or whatnot, or the result against Istanbul by at Old Trafford, but weird thing. In those seven defeats, three red cards um, as well. So that's odd. I think, you know, I, I was a bit similar to Andy in that the game was about to start. I saw the lineup. I was like, oh, look at that. Jaden Sancho on the right-hand side. What I really want to see Bonny van der Beek getting game time. This is going to be really exciting. Ah, Ronaldo's got that early goal. This is going to be a bit chaotic, but a bit like Leeds United, a bit like Newcastle in that United will probably be 1-0. It'll go at halftime. And then when the spaces open up in the second half, United will score that second, third, fourth, possibly fourth goal. I thought it would be like a good chaos match. You know, United eventually just knock someone out. Then you see the run, you know, I even had the moment where Wamba Saka crossed in towards Ronaldo at the back post. I was like, good boy. This Is what I want to see more improvement. And then he gets the red card. And Sancho comes off. I'm like, oh no. And then Donnie Hernabate comes off half-time going, oh no. Uh it just really, it wasn't just the red card, but it sort of the, the reverberations and that it spoiled two or three things I really wanted to see Man United do. Uh I suppose is that you know, gentle guilt edge in the fact that you might. Seymour, Dallow.
2: James has asked that, actually. Do you think this is Dallow's chance now? Is he going to get a run in the side after that red card? Obviously, he's only suspended for the Champions League, but could you see, you know, the, the knock-on effect being that Dallo jumps ahead of Wan-Bissaka in the pecking order? I
3: think it's up to him. I, I said before on Monday that there are definitely games where Wan-Bissaka's use as the 1v1 defender probably isn't. You know, it's useful, but if you're playing against, you know, to be mildly disrespectful, if you're playing against Norwich... You don't necessarily need to completely lock down that right hand side. You can play someone like Dalla who will offer more on the ball going forward. So I think if Dallas, you know, plays that next Champions League game, puts in a good performance, or possibly even does something in the training round in the next couple of weeks, or possibly I'm imagining that League Cup game you know I'd have against West Ham on the 22nd, Dallas might get a game there. If if you can really stake his claim, I can definitely see him getting 20 go games this season. In terms of what United could have done, I think Solskjaer showed some really good hindsight himself in that he said, you know, we moved to five-three-one one because we saw young boys were getting loads of crosses and we wanted to stop supply. But they, he said, possibly we could have got a midfielder closer to Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, Harry Maguire also said to MUTV, he said, you know, start the second half well. The shape helped us defend crosses a lot better.
2: The problem for me though, Carl, the, the, it took off all the transition players, didn't it?
3: The substitutions make sense in isolation, right? So, if
2: if you're talking about stopping young boys, yes, but there's still, you know, the best part of an hour to play. This is it.
3: So, the moment the red card happens, it looks as if Manchester United are trying to go, we're going to shut up shop and get that one nil. And then when young boys equalize, it looks as if United are you know what, we'll just play this one one. Like Solskjaer's substitutions.
2: And then he brought Martial on. Yeah.
3: Which. (laughs) kind of works I am assuming that was an attacking outlet. I think the problem is while Cristiano Ronaldo you know one of the best goal scorers in world football right now you know literally the best goal scorer in Champions League history football didn't start in 1992 but etc 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 he's not on hold up his hold up play isn't spectacular you know there's that you know during that dispute between uh, Karim Benzema and Olivier Giroud Benzema said that Giroud was like a van and he's more like a, a sports car But in certain games of football, in certain things in life, you need a van rather than a sports car. There's speed bumps along the way and whatnot. Uh, And you're watching that game, you're going, so when Ronaldo bursts through for what might have been a penalty incident, you're going, you just want... I don't necessarily want someone to crash in, run towards the penalty area. I want someone who can hold up the ball, you know, wait for Paul Pogba to come closer, wait for Bruno Fernandes to come closer. It
2: was also having players on the pitch, Carl. I thought that that could get near Cristiano Ronaldo or yeah. or anyone a van or a motorbike up front. There was no there was there was no one in midfield breaking through. It took off Jadon Sancho, who seemed the only player on the pitch that United had who could even do that in the first place. You almost wish took him off straight away. You
3: almost wish Dan James was still there.
2: I won't go that far
3: he's a good player for that sort of situation
2: that situation true true Uh, Andy I mean quite a lot of people have asked about the changes it's not the first time that we've We've questioned Solskjaer's substitutions, but I think an important stat to bring up at this point, all his subs scored more goals in the Premier League last year than any other manager. So it's not like he gets it wrong every single time, but does he get it wrong when it seems to really, really matter for you?
0: In isolation, the substitutes can make sense, but when they're viewed through a prism of the defeat, then the positive becomes a negative. I think his most famous substitution was, Fred. was the Fred one, yeah. Uh, and, and I asked about that. And, uh, you know, what, why, did you, why did you keep him on the pitch? He was a walking red card. And I got a very detailed um, answer. I didn't ask Oli about it. It was, it was an off-the-record answer about, quite simply, they didn't think Nemanja Matic was quick enough to stop uh, PSG's very fast attacking midfielders. They just thought it was a, a nightmare waiting to happen which brings into play, do we need another
3: central midfield player, which we've talked about before. It's that strange thing of it's a season later and it's the same problem right? Yeah. So Oli yeah, yeah. after young boys yeah. is going, yeah we probably could have brought on Matic earlier but I didn't know etc cetera, etc cetera, because young boys are a really quick team. So you're going you can identify these problems Why aren't you changing things? And I also think we talk about Oli's substitutions. He makes substitutions, but very much often wants the team to play in the same way, right? So, yes, against Paris Saint-Germain, you probably wouldn't want to play Matic in that really quick PSG team if you're going to play the same way. But you also go, Oli, why do you persist with playing this manner? Now... You can say, well, this is the best way Man United can play. These are the way all of our team is set up. But there needs to be variance, not only in your substitutions, but in the setup. So the, during there were loads of times in 2019, 2020, where, especially in the Europa League, I was thinking, just put on Odio Nogalo, not because I think he's a good football player, but because I know he's got better back-to-goal play. So in that semi final against Seville, put on Nogalo put him to hold up the play and tell Martial and Rasha to play off him. And that way it's not just running on the deck and dribbling towards Seville and missing all these chances. Solskjaer doesn't necessarily do that. Um, So this substitute against young boys where they move to 5-3, 5-3-1 and they bring on Varane at halftime because they're saying we want to stop the crosses and we weren't doing that as a four. So we're going to bring on Varane because we know he's good at heading the ball away. And yeah, that works. But also... Why are you not able to tell Luke Shaw and Dallow to just keep advanced positions and not get pinned back? Like, why can you not change the entire schematics of the team? Obviously, you know you only got 15 minutes to do that. So, and I'm not a coach. These are genuine questions I have. And, and the legitimate
0: questions. And I think criticism of
3: Oli Gunnar's in-game
0: management can can be valid as well. He's not above criticism by any stretch. And that was a stinker of a result, you know. Going there, they're the lowest ranked uh, team uh, in the group, and there does tend to be an overreaction a when Manchester United win, and b when Manchester United mm. lose. I'm pleased that Oli this week Ollie doesn't get doesn't go either way. He, he's he's pretty emotionally balanced as far as as I, I can see it, and that, that sending off changed everything. I felt for Donny. I thought he did all right, Donny. I watched him really closely. I was going to write about Donny in the first half and I'm not, I've not been too convinced by him. Um, We spoke about him before, but he was doing okay. He was defending well. He was pushing up. He was eager to please. I thought Sancho was pretty in, in ineffective. Once again, I noticed, and I'm not sure if people saw it on TV. Paul Pogba um saying, why didn't you pass to me? He, he just made the wrong decision, but I'm not too troubled by Sancho. I think it, it, he'll come good. I think he can't just jump to, to start criticizing him so early in his Manchester United career. And Ollie explained his different reasons for the substitution. Sometimes they come off, sometimes they don't. Got to credit young boys here. They were fantastic. Mm-hmm. They were really, really good. And I spoke to some of the people outside the ground and said, Well, why are, you, why are you doing so badly in the league? And they just said, It's all about the Champions League. And I think the pitch definitely helps them. They watered the pitch heavily before the game. sounds like we're getting excuses in here because United have played on that pitch before and won on that pitch before. There was a young referee as well. I wasn't too enamoured with that line. Um, no, me neither. About the the young referee. I thought that the team who won deserved to win. And and then you throw in the extra factors like the atmosphere. You don't expect Swiss fans to be as raucous and raffish as they were. It really was loud. And you sensed, once they got their equaliser, they were just urging that second goal in and uh, eventually they got it. And it was a bad one. And you mentioned about United's poor form in Europe. That's a legitimate talking point as well. If United don't get out of this group, that is a major issue for the manager, not the players, for the manager. It's on the manager, this. He's got to get a tune out of this team. Now, there are a couple of home games now, but it's the Champions League. Atalanta... Villarreal have already shown what they can do against Manchester United, so he knows that he knows he's got to get the consistency on it. Cristiano, I don't think he did that much apart from from score. There was that mad statistic: United's last attempt on goal was in the twenty fifth minute
3: of the match. And wan sending off in the 35th, so... Yeah, yeah. It wasn't yeah. a done deal, even with 11 no. versus 11. It wasn't open no, game. No, no,
0: not at all. It was, And it was actually exciting if you're a neutral, but I'm not a neutral, but it was really exciting. It was end-to-end stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, the hair had to be alert. There were shots fizzing past him. It seemed to be quicker because it was on, on the surface that it was on. I don't know why young boys don't have a grass surface and someone will probably listen to this and, and give me the answer uh, to that, but they got a highly motivated manager as well. And you won't have seen this on TV, but he was really sort of saber rattling. He was chest thumping. Come on, get behind us. We can do this. And it was a strange night. And speaking to United fans after the game, I think most felt, yeah, bad game, bad night in the office. We get them. Manchester United have always lost games. We always will do. Uh, but the team will still get through this group and they better get through this group. That was the gist of it. Yeah.
2: And it's the margin for error that's gone a little bit, isn't it? Yeah. Like, like with the, the result in Turkey last year, yeah. you then had to get something from the games at home to PSG and away against Leipzig. The margin for error was gone. Just to round it off on the red card and and Wambasaka Alex Andy's asking... When the quality of the squad is improving the way it is, will it eventually become clear that wan is not quite good enough for United? What do you think?
0: I do think he's good enough for United. I just think United need a second option there. And if that's... More the, attacking one. Well, Kieran Trippier. United wanted Kieran Trippier and Kieran Trippier wanted to join Manchester United. I, I, I could go to court and prove those, those, those two statements. And Atletico Madrid's president did not want to sell Kieran Trippier. And it's quite within his rights to say you're a good player, we're keeping you, and you've signed a thing called the contract. So United knew, and Carl touched on it there, um, in certain matches, um, certain types of right-backs are more suited uh, than others. And United had a very detailed plan about how they wanted to use Kieran Trippier. But it goes to a question of priorities. And would Ollie have liked another central midfielder? Of course. Would he have liked a right-back? Of course he would. Who did he get? He got Ronaldo. He got Sancho. He got Varane. It's largely been seen as being a very good uh, transfer window. Rightly so. United yeah. are not going to stop buying players. You know, the, the the fans who are really into transfers can rest easy. United will sign players in the future, and those two positions are, are, are the ones which I suspect will be um, a, a priority. And it it was it was a sending off. It seemed harsh, but then it was clear that, that it was a sending off as well. And and it cost the team. That, that, that could end up costing the team pretty heavily. Don't think it I don't think it will do. And the other result in the group helped. That was only a draw. Mm-hmm. Two two. Two two. So that so that helped and just got a win. And not only get out of this group, but get into the, the, the semi finals. Get into the quarterfinals. Get 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 beyond that but just just a bad night at the office. And I hope that the players feel that. I hope that they feel stung by the criticism and and respond strongly because even though Manchester United are top of the league, they've not been entirely convincing so far. We've we've watched the matches, haven't we? We've seen uh, the performance against Southampton, against Wolves, and they've been scraping by, really. But they've been getting the wins, which is which is a good sign. Obviously, lots of goals against Leeds and a Newcastle. So that's good. Home form has been patchy last year, but scoring at home, it's showing that maybe fans are, are making a difference as well. This team will lose more matches. Every football team will lose matches uh, yeah. Yeah. this year, but get straight back on it in the Champions League. as if there's an, The yeah. next game's a defeat in a seriously bad position now.
2: Well, even West Ham at the weekend. Um, I mean, if the social media managers of the players are anything to go by, there is an intention to bounce back at the weekend, <laughs> no doubt. Those things really irritate me. Just don't write anything if you just that's all you're going to write. Anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> let's go back to the team selection because, again, lots of questions on this. Uh, James B. Carl asking should Varane just have started considering it's a match that you want to stamp your authority on the group and get off to a good start or did it make sense that, that Victor Lindelof was given a game
3: for you? I think it makes sense to, to give Lindelof a game. I, I, you know, When you watch it on the old UEFA broadcast they do it, You know, here's your goalkeeper then they do the back four all at once and I, I we remarked same back four from last season, that's fine. Rafa Varane is, he's just come, he's just come in, he's, he's played, You he know, went on France duty as well, I believe so and I don't want to put too many miles on the clock. We know he has had some serious knee injuries in the past as well. So I was even surprised that Paul Pogba started for, for very similar reasons because Pogba st- played both games for France. That I, you know, I, I know he played both games for France as well. So no, nah. Lindelof was fine. And I, I don't believe the defeat was, was caused because Lindelof was in there rather than Rafael Varane was in there. We're not
2: talking about him, no. are we? That's usually a good <laughs> sign. Yeah.
3: Uh, I will say on this podcast, because I get this request nearly weekly and in the Q&A's, he cannot play, play in defensive midfield. midfield. Okay, I know, I know. He used to, but Victor Lindelof's strengths are his ability to jockey the space, and his weaknesses are you can bully him in the air and on the ground. So don't move him in the middle of midfield where things are quicker and he's more prone to get bullied. More, he can't be a defensive midfield. Yeah,
2: let's draw a line under that, Carl. Definitely. <laughs> um, good. It Andy says, how many mirrors has Donny Van der Beek broken to have a such a sustained run of bad luck? A lot.
0: Yeah, he was he was unfortunate, and he was. Uh... As, as was Sancho in in being a victim of, of the sending off there. I was pleased when he started. As I've said earlier on, I thought he was doing okay. Uh, I thought it was pretty encouraging. He probably needs to run in the side. Is he going to get that run? It's, it's looking like a difficult situation for him. And when he has played, he hasn't convinced a lot of the time for me. And I know that opinions are divided. And I remember going back nearly a year now when he played at Brighton, and a former pro, speaking to him after the game there, and he was saying, um, really intelligent player, is very complimentary about him. But I also watched the, the Watford game with a former pro. And he just said, he's just not doing enough. He's not being picked because he's not doing enough. And I get that. He's had his difficult first season. I saw him play for Ajax and he was a fantastic footballer. And I see how some of his contemporaries went on from the Ajax team, especially Frankie de Jong, he's become... Barcelona's second or third best player I just think what a shame uh, for Donny and I'm sure his confidence isn't high I'm sure retrospectively when he does interviews he'll talk about the difficulties of, of moving to United and the issues that affected have affected him I just hope he doesn't become another Morgan Schneidlin where it doesn't work out uh, you have a cycle where the player keeps going to the manager um, this, this happened with Morgan not Donny I want to go. The manager says I want to keep you. I want to keep you. I want to keep you. It just comes to the point where the player says I need to play football. I just don't have a sunny outlook for him at the moment. Maybe we've got that West Ham Cup game coming up. We've got the the Champions League home matches. Maybe he'll get minutes. Ollie will know have a clearer idea for that. But Ollie also need needs wins as well. But it's a real shame for him that he came off. Through no fault of his own in Switzerland. Carl as well,
2: Saf Yanara Yanen is also talking about Donny van der Beek saying, Is this Ollie trying to convert him into a holding midfielder? He did say in uh, Rio Ferdinand's podcast that he was able to play six and eight, despite his agent saying a few days earlier that he couldn't play six and eight. And I think you were pretty clear that you didn't think he could play six or eight either. Does Ollie think he can?
3: No, I don't think Ollie think he thinks he can. I was quite annoyed that Donny said that. Uh, <laughs> course, yeah. I, I I understand I understand Donny van the wants to be as amenable as possible because he wants to play game plan wants to play yeah but also to, to talk you know to strike up Andy's point I think if if Donny has one problem other than I mean the big problem is he's a air quote system player and the person that plays ahead of him is the entire system of Man United right so when United are bad everyone in United knows goes just give it to Bruno and Bruno will sort it out whereas Donny van de Beek's entire thing is he moves into interesting areas from the 10 position and then you're supposed to get him the ball. Uh, which is why I don't really want to, I really want to see Donny van de Beek as a number 10 when Jadon Sanchez on the right-hand side. Because I think those two will be really good getting overloads on that flank. And also I think when Pogba's on the left-hand side, that will be interesting as well. I also think, you know, the other big problem about Donny van de Beek is he's nice. He's a nice boy, right? He's, you know, if I want to be really mean about it, he strikes me as a bit timid in a team that is very chaotic and helter-skelter, even at the best of times. Even when United are thrilling, there's no time to be timid. You have to be energetic and bustling. And, you know, we will talk about Fred and make jokes about Fred, but he runs and runs and runs and runs. Um, and I think he had one of his better games against young boys. So I don't want Donny van der Beek to say, I can play as an eight or I can play as a six. I want Donny van der Beek to go up to the coaching staff at Manchester United and say, I am a 10. Find the games where Bruno Fernandes cannot play and put me in there. When Bruno Fernandes is tired at 70 minutes, you put me in there. Like give me my, Let me play in my best position and I can show you what I can do. Because this half, I'm maybe a holding midfielder, but I you don't know yet, which he hasn't got that record in Ajax. He tends to be playing next to a centre-back or his I'm sort of a number eight box-to-box midfielder is not going to work at this Manchester United team because they don't have a proper number six. And the Manny Matic is not quick enough for when those times where Donny's going to bomb forward as well. right? So he needs to tell everyone involved at Manchester United he wants to play as the number 10 in those games where Bruno Fernandes is not 100% where Bruno is tired. Because if he keeps saying, oh, I can do this and do that, he's going to, that grudging yes is going to become a resentful yes. And then we will end up in a Morgan Schneider style start scenario. He's a 10, put him there.
2: <laughs> uh, Andy, just to round this off then, Sab makes an interesting point here, actually. He says, how do you think people like Ronaldo and Varane will use this result? Do you think it will be like a teaching moment, he's asking in the dressing room and at the training ground for those players? Well,
0: neither of them had the best games. I know Varane came on, but they are both hard and experienced Champions League serial winners. And if they're not saying to their teammates, this isn't happening again, then there's probably something wrong there. So they've just got to get it right and they've got to respond really strongly. These players were brought in not to play only in the Champions League group stage, but they were brought in to be at the latter end of of the Champions League. So they've got to show it. Action's going to speak louder than words there. And maybe personally, they'll be disappointed themselves in, in their own performance. Cristiano was very, very angry. He went down just in front of me because he felt there should have been a penalty, and his manager backed him up on that. Didn't look clear-cut from where I was, but I only saw it once. You've probably seen it several times on on a TV screen. And it's just a night where, you know, Cristiano, when he, he, he'd, he'd done well to, to be heading towards goal, and I think it was just one bobble just set him off. And on another night, he would have had a better look and he would have spank. you know, he, he scores that, that's what he does. Uh, game would have been done. Uh, in Manchester United's favour. So I, I've said it a few times, but I just think it was a, a a bad night and I certainly hope it was. What did you
2: make of the body language when Ronaldo was taken off between him and Ollie? I thought it was fascinating, Carl, did you?
3: Yeah, it was a, a sort of, you of the shoulders, nice little hug. I think he, Ollie, I definitely saw Oli give Ronaldo a nice little pat on the bum.
2: He didn't really know whether to high-five him, pat him on the bum, hug him, apologise, say well done. <laughs> he did, so he did
3: all of them, but like really yeah. quickly and really in like really... Small moments. Uh, there was a little yeah. moment on the TV broadcast where it looked like Ronaldo and Bruno Fernandes were in some pretty intense dialogue as well, which I think that's going to be useful for the team. So we we know Bruno Fernandes' personality and how he's hyper-competitive and playing Uno with his daughter and how he pretty much tells Fred he's just there for the vibes when they're doing free-kick training. So <laughs> I think some of the... While there is concern about how Fernandes and Ronaldo will get on when they play on the field together, I think off the field they probably will will work to to push all sorts of professional levels upwards. Um, so take that sort of intrinsic professionalism they both have and the intensity of their play, and hopefully that can spread. I don't know that until one of them tells me explicitly in, in a press conference or whatnot, but uh, it was slightly, nicely calming to watch them basically yell at each other about how annoyed they were at how the game was going.
2: Yeah, they, were, they looked how we felt, I guess, which is always a good sign, isn't it? What, what do you think Ronaldo said to Lingard, Andy? Pick your pass, pick your moment to win this match. Had a good word in his ear when he came off, didn't
0: he? Yeah, he did. And unfortunately for Jesse, um, he did contribute to a match winner, but it was at the wrong end of the pitch. And I think Jesse's been pretty encouraging this season for, for Manchester United, but like no, that was a terrible night for him. But I like the fact that uh, his captain was very supportive of him on, on a human level, just saying, look, we're humans, we make mistakes. And he made a mistake. It was, it was a pretty horrendous pass. And he's playing against West Ham at the weekend, a team he did so well for. Let, let's hope that he can... <laughs> I hate all these will bounce back cliches, as you were saying. It'd be quite funny if one of them just come out and said, um, "We intend to be even worse this weekend." You know, just just go games. Against...
3: <laughs> I quite enjoyed Nicholas Pepe after the for Arsenal after they beat Norwich. He just put on Instagram: "We are staying up." I was like, "Yeah, that's yeah good, good." good. Uh, it's
0: more
2: like have
3: uh, a personality. Nice yeah, t-
0: too yeah. many of the players' social media quotes, I think, are a bit stilted now. I just like stop saying the obvious. I just don't think you need to nah, say it. You man. know,
2: if if you've lost a game, we all know that you intend to win the next one, like you intend to win every game. So to say you're going to bounce back, I just think nah, it's No, give, give
0: us a bit of your, your real personality. And sometimes it just smacks up, you know, other people saying this is the message that we should be getting out. And I get it. and Tweet something like... Yeah, On yeah. <laughs> to be yeah there's, a, there's, there's a bit of that. And, you know, it's... You see lads who can't speak English using semicolons perfectly in the tweets, and you're thinking, "Whoa, what's going on here?" But that's just me as a journalist. The abuse that the players get can be horrendous, especially after a defeat. And and if you, even if you look under every single tweet that Manchester United's official account does, the replies do not uh, boost your faith in humanity. They really don't. It's uh, it can be, it can be quite um, frustrating and quite a, a, a fetid. Um, place but look, we can talk we can speculate go to West Ham the win last year was amazing that second half performance last year was really really good Pogba was brilliant in that
2: mm-hmm.
0: just don't let the first half happen because <laughs> that was probably the worst first half performance of um of last season there was quite a few contenders for that
2: last yeah season, there, there, quite there?
0: A few. There, there was but what we're dealing with now is West Ham are getting 60,000. They're one of the best supported clubs in the world, West Ham United. And they've got a good manager, a lad called David Moyes, and they've got some decent players. But if United can get a win there, because prior to last season, there were some real stinkers at West Ham under Van Gaal, under Jose Mourinho. Uh, I remember one of the games at West Ham, I think Scott McTominay played as a central defender. Mm-hmm. Honestly, with Manchester United and the other super clubs, two defeats on the bounce, then that's when you start getting you know, ma- major um, major speculation rather than the than, than major problems. So convince at the weekend, stay up near the top of the league, hope that other things go your way and bounce back, just like the cliche says.
2: Bounce back indeed, Andy. Amen to that. Yeah, thank you everyone for those questions on the real-time section of the Athletic app. As always, look out for your opportunity to ask those Carl and Laurie. Often put messages on there before the podcast each week. So thanks very much for being involved. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold
1: of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time sounds like a real game changer if you ask us make the right call and get the service you deserve with discover limitations apply see terms at discover.com credit card
2: any other business any other business carl again this week you're writing lots it's almost like it's your job, isn't it, to cover Manchester United. Um, first up, one that's already dropped, Hannibal. Really interesting article about him and his development. Tell us about it.
3: Yeah, so we've spoken before in this podcast about how Hannibal, you know, every now and again one of us has enough free time to watch an 23 game and we inevitably talk about how Hannibal got kicked to pieces. Um, but something I found really interesting in the Manchester derby late August before the international break was there was a dispute towards the end of the game and real sort of handbags in the centre circle and it was Hannibal who was the captain of the on 23 team who was playing Peacemaker and I went, oh okay normally he's the one chasing referees around you know waving imaginary yellow cards and then getting another yellow card himself so I spoke, so I spoke to some people around you know I had a great conversation with Neil Wood after the game uh, about Hannibal and sort of talking about his development um, so you know it looks as if Hannibal's made real effort to sort of curb down that sort of descent towards match officials. He's also started playing in a deeper central midfield position for the a 2 E3 team. So he, initially before, when he arrived at Man United, he was a central midfielder and then he moved him out uh, to, to a winger position and then he got moved back in to a number 10. So when I was first watching Hannibal, I thought, oh, he's a bit like Eden Hazard, really good dribbly winger, gets a lot of attention, gets kicked to pieces and has to react with that. Whereas now I'm watching him going, oh, maybe... Maybe he's a he's got some baby Pogba around him in that he can he can do that sort of winger midfield hybrid. Uh, Neil Wood certainly thought the challenge now is to see does he have the engine to sort of begin the move from deep midfield and then finish the move when he gets you know into the the penalty area. So I think he's real promise on him. He's definitely going to go to Tunisia for the African Cup of Nations. So if you if you are Afcon minded. Uh, Give him a watch. I think he's going to be one of the better players coming out of the academy soon. He won player of the season for the academy as well. So I'm really impressed by him and hope to see him play a lot more soon.
2: Yeah, he's definitely a youngster to keep an eye on and a situation to keep an eye on, Carl, as well. You're writing about because we've not yet had a penalty or a free kick somewhere in and around the area to see exactly... Who's going to take it? Um, It's an interesting narrative. There was so much FPL chat on Twitter before that first Solskjaer press conference, before Ronaldo's debut, about who's going to be on penalties, who's going to be on penalties. Uh, Andy, what's your take on this? Do you, do you just think Ronaldo comes in and, and takes them all? Because Bruno would be upset by that. His record's great.
0: There's no shortage of people who can take penalties and free kicks at Manchester United. I remember... Talking about a piece of the athletic on how Marcus Rashford wanted to emulate uh, Cristiano Ronaldo's free kick uh, taking uh, after he'd scored an uh, incredible goal at, at Stamford Bridge. Uh, I think if you ask Jesse Lingard, he'd like to take them as well, and and Anthony Martial, and there's there's a lot of players who can take penalties and free kicks. What you've got is your dominant two uh, of of um, of Bruno and and Ronaldo. Paul Pogba is another one. He'd probably like a crack as well. And Jadon Sancho, well, he didn't do too badly when he was... A... So there's, there's so many different options.
2: Just not David um, De Gea, yeah?
0: It'd be funny if he did, though, <laughs> wouldn't it? Yeah, he'd... he'd probably
2: score this time, wouldn't
0: he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Leading us back into oh. that. Sorry, Andy, that I know you said game. about it before. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, are you bothered who takes him, Andy?
0: I'm, no, I'm not, as long as they go in. I'm not into... Um, uh, people have said that, you know, Bruno stat padded a little bit with with all his penalties. As long as he go in, I I am fine with that. And I speak as someone uh, uh, whose relative was a prodigious penalty taker for Manchester United and held the record until Eric Cantona came along. And one story he told me was in the league game against Aston Villa in 1950, which Manchester United won 7-0. My uncle Charlie scored three penalties and not only that, he told the goalkeeper where he was going to put each of them before he took them. And the goalkeeper laughed off the first one, laughed off the second one, and then thought, he can't do it again. But he did. He told him exactly where he was going to put it, and he put it there. And Charlie Mitten always said to me, there is no excuse for missing a penalty. And The statistics will, <laughs> will say otherwise. And Charlie did actually uh, miss a penalty. So I'm not that bothered who, who, who's taking them. For me, what's more important is that they're leading to Manchester United winning football matches.
2: Andy, was your uncle Charlie a stat
0: padder? I never got a <laughs> chance to ask him that because I think... uh do think the think phrase would have looked been... like
2: if you'd asked him that? I, I imagine he'd well, have a very confused
0: look. Charlie's a big star for Manchester United. Um, he lived in Old Trafford. He lived one mile from the ground. That's the and, way to do it. And... He had he had a croquet lawn in his back garden in Old Trafford. I mean, croquet—where <laughs> on earth has that come from? So it's full of contradictions because he, he he only had enough money to buy a house in in Old Trafford. It was a nice house, but you know, Old Trafford is certainly not where the players uh, live now. But he had very strong views on on football and a little bit of you know it was better in in, in my day. But he did it. He did it for Manchester United. He was a manager. He managed Newcastle United for three years. He's he, he was a he was a, a top top player, and he didn't play in a side which won the league. But his side, which won the forty eight cup final, was was fondly remembered as as being one, one of the great Manchester United teams.
2: Carl, I'm guessing that you're more bothered about who takes the penalties and set pieces, considering you're about to write a piece about it. Yeah,
3: I am FPL minded. So the meta, the meta game of FPL now is apparently you need to have Ronaldo. You need to get Ronaldo, Salah and Lukaku in and then just fill in the rest of the pieces. Yeah, good luck with I'm that. Not, I'm not doing that. I'm just going to put in loads of players that will assist Ronaldo and then do it that way. Uh, I think, I mean, if you, if you told me what to do right now, I'd say you should probably put Bruno on free kicks and then give Ronaldo his penalties and then, you know, split it halfway. Bruno Fernandes. Do you think so? I think Cristiano Ronaldo's knuckleball free kick method while is a thrilling spectacle to watch is not an effective way to score free kicks right I'm always been
2: no I, I suppose I was more asking I should have made it more explicit about Bruno not taking penalties considering how well he's done for United with those since he arrived
3: Bruno's a fantastic penalty taker and if it was any other football player in the world I would say keep it with Bruno Fernandez. but when you bring Cristiano Ronaldo on you sort of he is a reality warping football player and he will change expectations for Manchester United you know we've immediately stopped going from united talking about slow growth and consolidating top 4 to oh well now manchester united need to talk about winning titles and winning the big trophies so this is what he does um and i think you on you know for better or worse you need, you need to make some form of comp- compensations and compromises to keep a player like that happy so if ronaldo says i want to take penalties you can go to him, okay, but you're not taking free kicks because your free tick record is not great. That would have been my sort of stats nerd compromise. Um, I I still think you could probably keep Bruno Fernandes on both, but I also don't think Ronaldo would be happy to not have either option. So if he has to have one, I'll say you can take penalties, but free kicks, that's Pogba, that's Sancho, that's Bruno. Fred's going to stand there for vibes. Alex Talese can take a couple as well.
2: Right, look out for that article from Carl coming up about set-piece takers on The Athletic. Remember, there's still time to get a 33% discount of a subscription to The Athletic by going to theathletic.com forward slash Man United Pod. Okay, that's it for this week. We'll be back on Monday to talk about whatever happens at West Ham. Let's hope it's better than young boys. Amen to that. Andy, thank you very much for joining us as always. Carl, thank you to you as well. Enjoy your trip down to the London Stadium, I'm sure you will. And we'll speak again on Monday.
1: The Athletic